Yeah, for oh, sure. Oh, that's good hoop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was great. Yeah. No, it was really yeah. good hoop. So when I, was, when I was supposed to have a day off, I could guarantee pay to tell him, you want to get some work in tomorrow? Yeah, for sure. And I used to be like, motherfucker, like, this but, dude really work hard. <laughs> this is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball, but life, and that means something, something, something. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. That level of understanding has been taken out of the game. Of the game. Welcome to the 14th episode of Season 2, Point Forward Podcast. Peyton Pritchard joins us today for another great installment of our Cream series, which is uh, the Caucasian NBA players and how we stir the pot, you know, with uh, reverse uh, psychology of race in sports, especially with the NBA being uh, predominantly uh, African-American body of players. So we grew up in the Wu-Tang era where Cream stood for cash rules, everything around me. But in this case, just to be clear, we're talking about cream and the coffee that is the NBA. And we're not talking about just spot fillers. These dudes naturally play. We discuss being the only ones in the room a lot on the podcast and what it's like to be the lone representative of your race or culture and having an answer for a whole group of people, even though you're the only one. So we wanted to give white players a chance to discuss what type of pressures they may feel and how it leads us to have some great conversations with them. It's like being the only black person at work whenever there's a police shooting of an unarmed black victim or being the only woman at the office when they overturn a woman's right to abortion. Turnabout is fair play. Before we get to the episode, though, just want to remind y'all to follow at Point Forward on YouTube, TikTok, IG, and all other social platforms. Also, check out our new newsletter on Substack, pointforward.substack.com. Now let's get into the topics that stuck out to us recently. Point forward. How about last week? We just had Roger still on. Um, I know, you, obviously, you enjoyed that the most. Um, big golf fan. A black face in a, you know, in, in a sport of golf that's really trailblazing. What did you think about it? What was some of your favorite moments from that interview? I think it's just dope, you know, how he was vulnerable in saying how he felt about golf at an early age. You know, being really good at golf and... And not being a cool thing, but his father made him stick to it. Um, I got, uh, I've tried to get every, all my kids to play golf. They've all shunned it. My son's pretty good though. Like he can actually play. Um, my five-year-old is, was, she was really good, but uh, the rest of the clan, they don't do a good job of sharpening her skills when I'm gone. So I got to start from scratch all the time. No, but just understanding, you know, just the perception. We talk about perceptions all the time and like how that could become reality, especially in the NBA. But for him, the perception was it wasn't cool. So it was almost like, you know, he had to hide something that he was really good at. And for him to just really embrace it, uh, not going pro, but having making a dent in the golf space, actually growing the game. And and uh, it's funny. He talks about, you know, and in, in the PGA Tour, they have an extra incentive now. Um, it's called the... Um, it's like a social thing with the players who help grow the game the most. Like they have analytics based on your social media, based on earnings, based on your ranking. It's this whole system where you it's incentives to try to help grow the game, like your impact on people tuning in because of you. And obviously Tiger, Tiger won last year. 
I think Phil Mickelson was up there. He's like number yeah. two all the time. It's called the Players Impact Program. The Players Impact Program, correct. And Roger's always joking about how can he get a part of that uh, PIP yeah. money. And at first it was funny, but after watching him, like I watch him all the time. I see everything he's doing. I see how he's helping grow the game. Uh, and he's always like, can I get a piece of that? And it's funny at first, but now I'm starting to think like, you know, I think he can really embed himself into that space. And, you know, I think I think other leagues are starting to do it as well. You see a lot of other leagues tapping in with their influencers because their influencers, although they aren't professionals, they do bring uh, a fresh set of eyes to the game or uh, more. Exactly. And, and I'm really excited for what he's he has coming for himself, and, and I hope he just continues that drive and that hard work and dedication to the sport. And I think, you know, he, he has – he's no – he's just starting his journey, and, and he'll, he'll reach high heights. Yeah, that's real. That's real. Point. Forward. Let's, uh, let's talk about your trip to the White House, bro. What is it? Like, your, what's it, your third time going? Second? Uh, officially, it's like our second. I might have pulled up one other time. But it had nothing to do with the Warriors. I think oh, team that's US, a flag. Was team. He just pulled out to the White House randomly. Bro. It was like a, it was like a Team USA thing. It, what? That's crazy. So, so yeah, like you know, um, you know, just being fortunate to be around, you know, uh, I guess you call it. I don't know how Obama's royalty to me. So just being around that a little bit uh, was pretty cool. But I, I don't think people realize how long we're there. Like we there for like four and a half hours. Like we there all day. And we just had a back-to-back, and I was just speaking at Howard the day before that. And then I just had a long week. You know, I had a funeral the, the, the Sunday before that, Saturday before that. We had a year play Chicago Sunday. Uh, then we left straight out. Then we went to D.C., played there, and I spoke at Howard. was up all night doing that. Uh, and then we went to the White House the next morning. So we were there for four and a half hours. And people don't – like, it's to sum it up in one sentence is waiting around to wait. Yeah, hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait. And so you get in there, you walk through, they're playing music, which is super cool. They got outdoors, it's cool. So the first like 20, 30 minutes, it's like, oh, we touring the White House, you're seeing the great pictures. You see Obama's picture, you see uh, uh, Michelle Obama's picture, like their paintings, uh, which were super cool, were the portraits that super dope. So you're like embracing those moments. You see some funny, weird pictures. Uh, it's one wall, it's like all the, the presidents and the first ladies with their pets. Everybody has a dog. I forgot which first lady it was, but she had a pet raccoon. And, and if you're not paying attention, you miss it. Cause it's all portraits, like, like just portraits on this whole hallway. One of them had a raccoon dog. And somebody was like, yo, tell me what you see on this wall that stands out. And once you look, you're like, oh, she got a raccoon. <laughs> Blew my mind. Blew my mind. Of course, a golden retriever <laughs> named Scout. <laughs> right. But, but other than that, it's just, um, it was a cool experience. We made it fun. Um, you if you got to make it fun. Like, you got to interact with everybody. Well, you um, interact there in the kitchen, bro, right? You had four yeah. and a half hours. You went into the kitchen. And what did you demand? Some fried chicken. And low-key, low they, they said if Kamala wasn't there, that would have been as controversial as uh, when Craig Hodges went and asked... Uh, <laughs> And I asked George Bush a political question back in the day with the Bulls. <laughs> right. Like, I might not be in the league had it not been for Carmala uh, after I requested that fried chicken. But no, nah, that fried chicken was bussing. Um, they had some crystals, hot sauce. So they were just like, I, you waiting around for so long. And um, there's been a lot of talk about when we're up on that stage during the speech. And it's been some 
pretty funny content coming from that where guys' eyes are, what they looking at, you know, so on and so forth. They on my guy wigs, but we stood up there for like good 30, 40 minutes. Although you, you only see us up there for 10 minutes. So you just standing there in the same spot and you get to like just wandering. And I know for a fact wigs were wandering. It was, it was, it was it was funny though. It was good content that came from it. Yeah. And then you get to see um you know, you get to see how they prep everything. So you get to see the teleprompter with all the words and all that. And uh, um, it was some inside jokes about the teleprompter or whose name was said right or wasn't said right. So that was solid. I'll probably say the part that no one understands is there's always a zoo around Steph Curry and the Warriors, right? So you get that dog and pony show where, you know, uh, I keep seeing this come up and I wanted to have this conversation with you in terms of, you know, people who ask for autographs in certain situations. And, you know, obviously we don't mind all the autographs, but sometimes it becomes a burden and whatever burden means, you know, some people say you're an athlete, you make all this money, blah, blah, blah. And so at the end of the White House visit, <laughs> which happens all the time to us, you know, being with the Warriors, being with Steph, like, like 60 people just, came through the room and it just got kind of crazy. I'm like, wait, where are all these people just come from? Like out of nowhere. And I saw E-40, I saw uh, Too Short, and I saw uh, Fabby Davis Jr., right? Uh, rapper from Oakland, right? My man, good dude. And uh, I took a picture with them because I thought that was the coolest moment. But right after that, I just kept getting people tapping me on my shoulder because I'm sitting down just chilling at a table like, you just waiting again. We just waiting. We waiting. And people just kept, and the room got filled up real quick. And I'm like, where are all these people coming from? So finally, I start asking, who are you? Where are you coming from? Because most of the people work in the White House. They work on the Secret Service details. So you can have conversations with them. I met some dope folks, got some numbers. But I asked this kid, like, yo, how you get in here? Like, why you ain't at school today? And he was like, um, you know the right people. You can get in every, you can get anywhere you want. And I was like, for a kid that young to have the wherewithal to say what he said. And he was like, yeah. My uncle, my dad works with a guy who works in the White House, who works with somebody, and I got in. And like, that's, bro, like that's crazy because it's like, bro, bro, he was like twelve. Yeah, bro, it's like when you saw what's my man's name uh, play for the Lakers now at the ESPYS. They had him up in the bleachers. Juan, they had Juan Toscano. They had Juan Toscano up in the bleachers, and I'm asking the kid next to me, like, "Yo, how'd you get front row at the ESPYS?" Oh, I'm just from Canada. And I, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm a season filler. Yeah, I just showed up here. I'm like, what? So my man Juan had to win a championship, or I had to like <laughs> go this hard to even sit in the front row because I'm tight with Andre Iguodala. And you just tell me, oh, by the way, I'm just sitting here because you know I'm from Canada. They say they need people to pull up and call it that. Like, what? Yeah, that's fam. wild, bro. So he finessed his it, way in, in, in. Well, shit. Well, it, it was. It's always the art like of finessing. Correct. And I'm, I'm saying it because it's always the case, especially around Steph, where we, you know, we events now aren't, you know, you do fan engagement, you know, you have NBA cares, uh, you know, you always have your team events, you know, what we do 10, you have to do 10 community service events. They really just become a, a showcase. You know, it's like a dog, we call it the dog and pony show. And I'm not saying we shouldn't, you know, the fans pay a lot of money, especially your core side ticket members or those high end ticket members want to get close access to us. And then you're promising them that when you're selling these tickets, because I mean, they sold out suites for what, 10, 20 years you had to sign a lease for. What you gotta, it's, it's 10 it's, it's, 
Yeah, and and, ten, and steps prime, and so you gotta you gotta get your bang for your buck, or you want to get that for your for your customer, and so you're giving them access to us, but the access isn't it isn't as human like you know the engagement. And I'm not just saying like the Warriors are our team because most people think I'm equating it to that, but I've been in other teams too. Like that's always the case. You remember Philly? They had us pumping gas. <laughs> they had us pumping gas. It was cold as shit outside. That was one of the um, events. I don't but remember it, pumping no gas. <laughs> you might have. You weren't there yet. You weren't there yet. Say, yeah, I'm yeah. Pumping no gas. We were pumping gas, G. But that was the old NBA. But now it's just become. You know, a lot of the events become just touch the players, and that's where you know we're having conversations with athletes and other sports now. Football players. You know, we're having conversations with. You know, uh, we're talking to. You know females from different parts uh, of different sports as well. And we're always having those conversations of how do you best network? You know what I mean? And it's funny because when these people meet us, they have all these rules and regulations on, you know, you can't do a deal through this avenue. You can't do a deal through this avenue, but they always want us to network. And it just becomes like, you know, pet, pet our new project. You know what I mean? Yeah, or, no, 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 or, for or, sure. Or Look what I got. Trophy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pet the trophy. And so, I think there's a little bit of a disconnect to that. And I'm only speaking on it not to down anybody, but just give them some ed education. So hopefully they take it like that. You know, obviously the mini year was spinning however they want to spin it. But that that probably was the part where I, was, I couldn't wait to get out of there. That's when I went to the back to get my chicken because it, it, it just it was getting like really crazy. Like you would get like random like it was like at least 20 random people just tapped me on the shoulder. I'm just sitting down chilling because I'm thinking it's just the Warriors and I'm looking behind me. I'm like, oh, this is just a whole bunch of randoms in here now. And you got to do it with all that. Now I feel it. That's tough. That's definitely tough. Especially when it comes down to the position you're in and being like, bro, kind of respect my time, my peace. I want it. I want I wanted to meet Barack Obama, but y'all would have stopped everything. You know what I mean? Y'all would have stopped <laughs> everything story. going. Or to a certain point before winning a championship, like – when they rush the Capitol Hill building or whatever, like that area, like bro, bro, in my mind, I can't, I've never even been close to the White House. I won't even touch the bar because I feel as though like, no, no, nigga, you ain't supposed to do it. Like that's the type of thing, you know? right? Yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of bizarre, especially at the level that you guys are at. It's like who else gets that type of access? Like, and being mm -hmm. like, yo, my dad was just here. We just snuck him in. Like, could you just sneak somebody into a symphony performance? Like, could you just sneak somebody into a wine taste? Like, so I'm wondering, you guys didn't go a couple of years ago, clearly, mm -hmm. when you guys won a championship, and that was clearly a team thing. But what about this year? Was there any holdback or, you know, or was Steve like, yo, we're gone? Or was Lake up like, we're gone? Or I don't think it would matter if they, I mean, you know how we are. We we ready to rebel against somebody, yeah, yeah, somebody I, yeah. in their position and of color to tell us like something like that with that. But Steve's cool. He would never do that. But now I think it was more or less, you know, uh, it'd be great to go back. I mean, Trump was saying like, they, he was calling football players sons of bitches. You know what I mean? And so it was, it was a lot that went into that. Looking back, I probably would have went. I, I'm not going to lie. If, 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 if I knew what I knew now and we won it, I would have went like, let's pull up because I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up with smoke. Shout out to Matt Barnes and Stack Jack. I, I'm pulling up with all the smoke and I wish I would have went back because I'm not afraid to ask any questions. So I'm, I'm pulling up easy. Calvin Coolidge's wife was the one that had the uh, pet raccoon. <laughs> pet raccoon. There we go. I wonder what. She probably was a wildcat for real. <laughs> Point forward. All right. So next topic, Dre. Florida governor 
It's always Florida, man. Always. Ron DeSantis bans AP African-American history in Florida high schools. What do you think about that? He claims it's a lack of educational value and it's contrary to Florida law. Yeah, it sounds like Florida. It's contrary to white popular belief. Yeah, that is, uh, yeah, it's just stupid as hell. Not only did we not, not only is black history or like slavery or whatever, all that stuff only a yeah. week and a half long each year. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff that comes out about how like societies form systemic oppression, everything that goes behind it. On top of the fact that you can't get better unless you're vulnerable enough and accountable enough to accept it. And this is just one step closer to just the ignorance of that is what's America. Yes. So, it, I mean, it's, it's just it's stupid as hell. I mean, it's black history. Like, it's nah, exactly I, 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 I got to hear about all this other bullshit. That means absolutely nothing. And then we got to talk about, and when, when it's coming down to black history, we got to worry about that. This shit really matters. And when it hits us. Yeah, because, I mean, it's funny because you can't even speak negatively on any other. My point exactly. Any, anyone else's culture or else there will be consequences. We have the only culture where uh, outsiders can profit off our trauma, off our history, in ways they feel they can't, they want to, but still we can't use that, our history and our trauma as a way of expressing ourselves. We're, we're the only culture that hasn't been given reparations for the injustices that have happened to our community. If you look at any other, uh, any other injustices on a particular community or race, there are, or there have been reparations or things put in place to help them with their suffering, suffering, except for African-Americans. And so I'll just leave that at that. And there's nothing anyone can take with that and try to spin it. It is what it is. And the buddy probably going to be the uh, president too. I've been listening to all in there, big DeSantis fan. I know they spoke about it briefly and it was so brief. I didn't remember what they said, but it was as if it wasn't a big deal, but it sounds typical uh, coming from um, the background of those. It's, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just it's craziest thing I've ever heard, but but I'm not surprised at all. And I lived down in Florida for a little bit, and it makes it makes perfect sense. Uh, it's just, but they were trying to do that in the South in general. I think it was another state where one of the governors or someone of the standing from that particular state in the South said they were going to do away with uh, anything that had to do with uh, slavery or anything negative uh, from the South. So Mississippi just made slavery illegal illegal like two years ago. Man, well, and they yeah, and they was like, "How you do that? What you mean? It was just uh, illegal two years ago. Was, they just had in other forms, like I know, like, I, like know jail. On, jail. I know, it's a hick on the farm, like motherfucker. <laughs> like, yeah. Last last year, not two years ago. <laughs> yeah, like damn, it was still legal, like yeah. that type thing. Yeah, yeah. Point forward. Temple just beat the number one uh, team, Houston. Uh, our guy, uh, Aaron McKee. Uh, he, he, you know. He's been trying to, you know, get things back to where they once were uh, at, at the University of Temple. Uh, they're on South Street or Broad Street. I'm sorry. Broad so, Street, bro. On Broad Street. On shout Broad Street. To, uh, yeah, shout out to the drought horse. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. Um, no, I told you, that was a bar. That was a bar I used to go to. Like, people go downtown, oh. I would go to drought horse at Temple. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Big shout win. Big win. Big win. Big win. Number one team uh, in the country, Houston. Um, I mean, but just like dissecting that, you know, um, we've been knowing 
uh, the, the Aaron McKee, a.k.a. Blue, is a great coach. But obviously, it could be very tough in NCAA recruiting-wise, uh, you know, and winning NIL stuff is different, you know, uh, endowments, how much money the school resources, so on and so forth. Um, and but then at the same time, just the parity of college basketball, uh, you know, is, number one seed isn't like it used to be like back in the day, you know, number one seed only had one or two losses with the season in. And now you're seeing the number one seed have like six losses. Yeah. It's like week versus weaker. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, you were, uh, but speaking from that, it doesn't really shock us about, you know, what Aaron McKee is going to do, because obviously his whole career has been a success. You know, yep. when you think about, you know, him help lead his home city team to a finals with Allen Iverson. Yep. Or, you know, he mentored you heavy, mentored myself heavy. He even yep. got you in trouble about the Kobe story. Aaron McKee was the one that told the paper that he thinks you could shut down Kobe Bryant. Yeah, and then he got 49 put on my head. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. He that did was hilarious. That. Yeah. But he knew how big of a fan I was of Kobe. What's like one of your favorite memories or moments uh, with Aaron McKee? Was that was that him? Was that one one of them? Yeah, and I mean, he would he saw how how lively I was, like like just I had life to me, and he would be he would always let me know, like man, make sure you always keep that life about yourself. Like I joked around a lot, I was playful, and he was like, you know, you know, you you, you get serious on the court, you know, to play hard. Um, but probably for my career in terms of basketball, he always told me the offensive player is going to have uh, the advantage at all times. And when you start understanding that, you're going to become so much, you're going to become a way better defender. And I, I, I start figuring it out. Like, I wouldn't be upset if a guy scored 20 on me. Like, my thing was a guy can't get 20. And then God get 30 on me and I was like, I, I wouldn't be my happy self for a couple of days. And he was like, listen, man, you got to get over it. Like when the game's over, the game's over. The, the NBA is made for players to score and you're also going to get the short end of the stick. Um, but when you learn that, you can still do your job, even though a guy may get 30. Fans may never know it, may not show up on a stat sheet, but that's a psychological advantage you can get over it, guys. And so I think that's helped me late in my career. I mean, because the Bronze had some of the craziest stat lines of all time against me, even in the finals for, you know, six, seven game series. Uh, but still understanding, like, the key is to win it all. And you did your job, although a guy may have, it seemed like he got the advantage over you. So I think that helped me psychologically over my career. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, Blue is a man for sure. Yeah, for sure. Point forward. AT and I, AT and I agree on a lot of things, but not everything. Down for that, clown for that is where we take a stance on trending subjects and decide whether we are down for it or have to clown it. Uh, but we've been talking a lot about, you know, AI uh, lately, talked about chat, chat GPT, um, you know, uh, AR, VR, um, a lot of the tech space, you know, we, we cover here on the pod. And uh, our first topic on down for that, clown for that, kind of fits in that realm. Nick's owner, James Dolan, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of his interactions with fans and former players in the stands um, over the years. He's using facial recognition technology to remove his critics from Madison Square Garden. Oh, right. this is a good one. This is this might yeah. be right. this, is, this is a good one. Which side you want? No, I want to know what I'm side you want. Down, I'm going to end up I down for it regardless. You want. I know you down for it. I'm down for like you down for it. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm, okay. I got burnt up when I see that. I'm like, there we go. <laughs> Grab your ball and take it home. What the fuck is he talking about? 
Face recognition, like you thought you got away with it. Yeah, we remembered you. Get your ass up out of here. All right, get get your get it go get your stuff off right now before I kill it in one line. No, I'm just saying it's his shit. It's like on Friday when he's like, "Damn, you, you got the blunt all wet." It's my shit. I can do anything I want if it's my shit. Simple I like as that. that. One. If, you don't, if you hate me that bad, you don't mess with it. And eyes are New Yorkers don't say anything calmly. Like man, James, he was bogus. Or James was this. Or yeah, James was like, like, "No, that, that motherfucker." Like this and the other. Yeah. Like, no, nah, get your whole ass up out of here. Et what? AI, okay, so I read a great definition of AI. AI, and they said, I think I read by the year 2027, AI, artificial intelligence, will have read through the entire internet. I know you just saw uh, AI just uh, pass the bar, uh, pass all these exams, like it's acing everything, like AI is pretty much doing everything, right? So essentially it reads the entirety of the internet. That's how it gets its answers. And so by 2027, AI will have read Everything, like every publication, every book, the entire internet is done, right? At one point, a human can do it, but once they got the uh, printing press, the human can no longer read everything because it was, and now we got, you know, it's like 5,000, 10,000 things being written up every single day now. So how can you keep up? But AI can do all of this. And I'm saying that because with erasing black history, yeah. AI is going to become racist. Right. It's already been embedded. It's already reading all the laws of America. AI is low key racist. Wow. And so with this facial recognition, you're just going to have a bunch of James Dolan's at the garden. E.T., you can't go to the garden unless you paint your face a different color and you act accordingly. You think wow. that's really it? You see that coming? Bro, AI is racist, bro. We just saw AI. We just talked about this last week. AI is, is sexually harassing people. Damn, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the man is a genius. God, man. <laughs> like, how how are we gonna stop this one? And it's like, bet AI. Yo, that's crazy, yo. bro. That's actually wild. You see, they broke up. They didn't broke up my man Charles Oakley. Man, they broke up his leg, broke up his arm, and put him up out of there, bro. They threw him out like uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff on Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, do Charles. Hey. Yeah, they did, man. I'm surprised they even got to Charles like that. Shoot. Dolan, Dolan, yeah, Dolan put his, his security at risk sending him over to Charles. Man, they got rid of Charles expeditiously. That's wild. <laughs> and then, then Latrell act like he didn't see nothing. He was like, man. Somebody say something about pineapples. Somebody got some. some what did what, what Kevin Hart say? I was trying to get. I'm trying to get the chips. I'm trying to get the chips. <laughs> you cannot fuck this up for me. Point. Forward. Shannon Sharp, we saw what happened with him a few days ago um, at, at crypto.com, almost called the Staples Center. Um, crypto.com still holding it together because, uh, you know, all the crypto has been running out. You know, uh, FTX Arena is no longer FTX Arena. I think they're calling it Miami-Dade County Arena uh, down in Miami since FTX went under. But crypto.com arena. Uh, Shannon was there, was there to watch this guy, LeBron, go up against, uh, what, the number two, three team in the, in the, in the West, the Memphis Grizzlies. And there was an interesting altercation that everyone pretty much knows about. Um, I guess he called Dylan Brooks too small to go LeBron. Dylan Brooks had some words for him uh, that were not too kind. And being who Shannon is, 
athlete, football player, Hall of Famer. He felt it was disrespect. It is disrespect and royalty. I would agree to that part. But uh, Shannon reacted in a manner where he didn't keep his calm, cool, uh, just going into halftime. And you saw a lot of bodies moving around and, and posting up to, you know, make their presence felt. And then that led to Shannon uh, having some words with John Morant's father, T. Morant. Uh, they squashed it afterwards, but it was a whole spectacle. And you know how we are. Uh, like, I think we both, we got Salute the OG in my person. I don't know if you're going against it, but I'm a big Shannon Shannon Sharp fan. I, I'm going against it only because you know Shannon. He's he's did apologize, but Shannon should know better. He has a presence and a, a understanding of himself, and uh, I think he I think he understood like it shouldn't have happened that way because like we like I said what Chris Rock said in the stand up. You know, as black people, what we were taught as young youngsters is don't embarrass ourselves in front of white people. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and I think as black kids as well, you respect your elders. So like yes. when we sit right there, I can say, fuck you. And I don't like you this and the other, but like, I'm the, I don't know Shannon from nothing. Like, and also I don't know how aggressively he said, you can't guard him this and the other, but like to tell an OG or whoever, like yeah. I'm 30. So I'm not about to tell Shannon, yo, fuck you. So, like da -da -da -da, it's a heated game. Like, yeah. Honor amongst it. That's all I'm saying. Like, we just, Shannon goes hard for us. That's all I'm saying. He does. He does. And he goes very hard for us. He's a big, big fan. Like, his energy is always positive. You know what I mean? He, he's for, for the athlete. So, yeah. like, and I'm a Dylan Brooks fan. I like how he carries his energy, his add to his tempo. But, like, come on. Or you niggas ain't on that, bro. And it was interesting how uh, a certain group, on Twitter, uh, brought up Stephen Adams, and that it kind of bothered me because it was it was some racial undertones with that too. Because we had a we had some fair skin, I shouldn't say fair skin, but this that tone of folks were saying uh, he was scared of Stephen Adams. Like, stop, bro. These the, the white NBA fan base will run towards Stephen Adams anytime there's an altercation. It, it's hilarious, but I, I will say. What you're correct about is just having a respect for older gentlemen. And I'll give a scenario, something that happened to me during the game. We were in Portland and ain't too many of us in the stands or close to the stands of Portland outside of Nike folks or Adidas folks. And um, second half, cause I'm on the opposite corner on the opposite rim and a fan is heckling me. And uh, I didn't even know who said it. I just turned around and said, shut the F up. Cause he said something twice and it was getting on my nerves, but it wasn't that bad. I was like, man, shut the F up. But I said it without looking. I turned around and saw it was an older African-American. Yeah. And I realized like my man ET says, I tweaked. Yeah. So I ran down court. I think I might've ran back down court once again, but the next stoppage might've been a timeout coming out of timeout. I ran over to dude and I said, I'm sorry. Like I didn't, Realize who I said that to. My apologies, my guy. Like I'm really, I, I really, I apologize. I'm sorry. Like that won't happen again. And he was super cool. He was like, Nah, it ain't no problem. I understand. I'm like, Nah, bro. I can't say that to you. Like, like I'm sorry, dog. Like that ain't supposed to happen. And so that's how I carried. That's how I handled that situation. I remember that happened. Uh, we played the Clippers. I get into a scuffle with DeAndre Jordan at the end of the game or whatever. I know we're like getting ejected. And uh, Mike Woods was like, Turner, when'd you get so tough? So I flick him off. 
<laughs> I legit, like, 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 man, fuck you. Like, you know what I mean? I'm saying whatever I'm saying. You know me, I'll go in like right. 10 seconds to just go through a spurt. So next time we play him, I legit, I'm like, bro, that's mad OD. I just reject, like, re- disrespected like an OG. Right. And then a brother at that, I remember playing him the next game, and I'm like, hey, bro, whatever I said last game, I'm sorry I disrespected you. I have no right to talk to my elders like that. Like, mm-hmm. I would never disrespect you like that. Like, I appreciate everything you've done prior to, but I was like, no, there's nothing ever. Right. We snap out of it and disrespect basically your uncle, bro. Like, True story. And like, I just thought, I, I just thought the whole, that whole scuff was blown out of proportion. Most are. <laughs> Most are. <laughs> Most are. There are exceptions to every rule, though. Point forward. Let's hop into our conversation. Our guest is straight out of Oregon. Shout out to the Pacific Northwest, a 2017 U19 medalist for Team USA, 2020 Pac-12 Player of the Year, and the 26th pick overall by the Boston Celtics in the 2020 draft. He's also a style guru. According to his Instagram, Peyton Pritch 3, and a perfect guest for our Cream series. Here on the podcast, we speak with nine black NBA players about their journey and experiences in the league. Welcome to the show, Peyton. Not definitely. Thank you guys for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Do you know what cream means? You, you no. Oh, okay. No, no idea. Cream goes in coffee. What color is cream? White. There we go. <laughs> smart guy. Right here. You went to college? Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Okay, I, I went to some classes. Not much. So. <laughs> so, yo, we start off every conversation with how'd you get here? I mean, so obviously been playing basketball my whole life, but you know, went to. Westland, which you probably know, high school, uh, on there, went to Oregon, did my thing. And then, you know, it took me a while. I I did four years of college. It wasn't like a one and done. And I wasn't like I walked into college and like, oh, I'm going to be a pro. I didn't actually realize that uh, I had a chance. I always believed it, but I didn't realize it was going to be a thing until like probably the end of my junior year. Of college? Yeah. Even after, let's say, when you went to Westland. I mean, the four state titles yeah. that was pretty for sure, for sure. But like, you know, people always looked at me like, I'm a like six foot one white boy. Like, yeah. I mean, there is a thing. Like, they, you know, he's probably there's not many. Yeah. Um. So then, once I started really hooping at Oregon my junior year, then the people started to like notice, and I knew I could have left after my junior year. But I went back my senior year. Um. I had a couple guaranteed deals to go a second round pick at my junior. Then my senior, year, I was like, Nah, I'm gonna go back. And try to up my stock, and then obviously, um, you know, had a tremendous year, and then went first round. So it ended up working out. Then got drafted by Boston, and here we are. And y'all two. So actually, when I worked in Boston, I guess I wouldn't say I was his position coach. We yeah. worked together every day, out, yeah. and we played one on ones every day. Yeah, so. oh, oh, that's good hoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, no, it was great. Yeah. No, it was really yeah. good hoop. So when I, was, when I was, I was supposed to have a day off. I can guarantee Peyton talking about you want to get some work in tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. And I used to be like, motherfucker, like this but, dude really work hard. Like, <laughs> no, so, I, I love it. I love the game. But like I used to tell him, we were just talking though. I was like, ET was the best one to go against because like he could have played for with us. He would have been in an eight, nine man rotation. Like we actually needed him. Oh, I know. So he in practice, we were watching, like, oh, like he can go still. Like <laughs> he's over here coaching. I'm like, yeah, I need to be playing against him. He's that's that's who's gonna make me better. And if I gave you any advice today, that's the advice I give you. The NBA is crazy like that. Oh, for sure. And so I always tell people about the, you know, uh, what your 
actual brain goes through. Mm -hmm. Like your body, it go through what it's supposed to go through. You get yeah. older like me and it won't function as like it's supposed to anymore. But the, the NBA really don't take your body like that. It takes this. Yeah, for sure. And you'll see like guys that can still play in the league. Like, wait, hold on, man. This dude killing dudes every single day in practice. I'm seeing it. Like Barbosa was still hooping. Yeah, like he, he'd be like, yo, yeah, if, he could, if he win the game one more time. <laughs> but I, I know he can still play. Yeah. And, you know, I know why he's not still playing. And it's just like, you know, for whatever reasons, like, they'll take you out. And so just keeping that in mind, yeah, for sure. you know what I'm saying, and just watching your every single move because sometimes it's, like, unwarranted. Like, what? wait, what happened? Like, and, and it may be out of your control. So mm -hmm. um, you got something? I don't know what I'm saying, but speaking of, uh, yeah, we, we spoke earlier before you got here, and he kind of brought that up prior to. And I remember, you know, telling him in the league, you know, the same thing that makes you laugh makes you cry. Yep. So I remember playing where I was 26, 27. There was a guy that was around my age where, he could have been playing. He started pushing him out. And um, some of the way he used to act and everything, I was like, bro, why are you complaining so much? I didn't understand. Obviously, I wasn't in this position. But I was right. like, he loves the game and he hates how it's getting done. But, you know, he's kind of being miserable all the time. Mm -hmm. I used to always be like, yo, if I get older, like, I'm going to use a theme. Like, the same thing that makes you laugh makes you cry. Mm -hmm. like, when I get older and if that happens to me, I ain't going to be like no no punk and complain and power. I'm going to try to make sure I help the next person right. when sure. they can help. And I think, like, like you say, that's not me trying to hype myself up. It's just another piece of advice of how the game goes. You know what sure. I mean? Like, 100%. Tomorrow's going to come, and then the next day is going to come, and you know what I mean? The game just keeps going on. So, But I want to go back to uh, the beginning. You talk about West Lynn and everything, and one thing that I know about, the uh, reason why you wore number three to start and everything was because of your love for Dwayne Wade. Yeah, for sure. So is that yeah, what yeah. got you into the game of basketball? Um, I think it's what made me... Like start to love it is like his first championship run. Mm -hmm. Like I was young, I think I was like seven maybe at the time, six or seven. Wow, yeah. that's crazy, so, and that was a hell of a run yeah. too. I, I might, I was right around that. Yeah, he yeah. was killing. I was man. in the league. Yeah, yeah bro. He said seven. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah, forty-two. <laughs> nah, that's crazy. Yeah. Nah, so he he started killing. I'm like, I fell in love with it. But obviously, I had my, all my family played. My dad played football. Mm -hmm. My mom was a gymnast. My aunt played at Arizona basketball. So I grew up just in a sports family. So. Yeah. I knew I was going to be involved in some type of sports. Like, I just love sports. But he's the, really the one that, like, made me love basketball. Like, his, like he was offensively killing, defensively, like, taking people's hearts that year. Yeah. And I was like, just fell in love with it. His tenacity and obviously, like, I mean, it was tremendous. Yeah. And during then, um, you know, obviously we talk about coming from Portland and everything like that. You say you didn't think until your junior year. And Oregon, you were going to be able to make to truly make the lead. Like, yeah. What made you keep going on with the game besides competing and besides going to a high level? You were able to be yeah. in a Nike Hoop Summit. Mm -hmm. You're all American. Sure. You committed early to University of Oklahoma. That's where your yeah. father played, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So what? You kept I mean, going. You kept yeah. going at a high level. What made you think you could compete? I think is I love the game. Like I truly, I think you know a lot of people say they they love it. And I would right. I would put myself in the category that like I really live. Live it. Yeah, like, I love sure. it. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like, you can ask anybody around. I work because I love it that much. But I always had in my back of my mind that I wanted to make it. But when I said I realized it, it was when it was like, okay, people are actually talking about it now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I always had that dream. And I was never going to let anybody tell me that, like, I couldn't. Because I was like, I play against all these dudes. I had teammates that are going to the pros. And I'm like, I'm here every day in practice, like, working, like, being better than them, never making it. So I'm like, I knew I had a chance in my head. So coming from your father playing football, you know, how how or and your mother being an athlete as well, mm -hmm. 
how did that affect how you came up as an athlete? Well, I think it helped a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, the work habits at a young age, them putting me into a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I think the biggest thing I learned though from my parents is just like what it took to make it to the college level. Gotcha. So yeah. there, there's habits that it takes, especially for young players. They learn um, to make it that far. Gotcha. Talk about those habits, though, because one thing when I did work, um, you know, that year with the Celtics, you know, day in and day out, I really admired how you approached the game, whether it went well for you or not. And like every single day, you and I have a conversation like, all right, let me see how real this kid is. If he's really going to work or is he going to pout like the rest of the folks? Because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, everybody in the NBA is good. It's all about how you prepare and where your mental is at. So like like right now, I want to say how hard you work now, but like where do you think towards the future, like, does that foreshadow where, like, you believe you can eventually make it to the NBA and, you know, take things to the next level to do, you know, do amazing things? Sure. I mean, I I definitely believe that in myself, and that's why I work. Like, yeah. you know, I know, you know, I'm obviously here, and I'm, you know, doing a role and stuff, and, like, but I'm working for the future to keep growing my game. And I don't know what that looks like yeah. at, at, what it, at all, what it looks like. But I just, you know, I know there's going to be bigger things ahead, and I probably have – you know, bigger roles or something like that, but always being ready. And even when I'm here now and, like, when people go out or, like, are hurt, I yeah. step up and I'm ready for those roles because of the work I've put in. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it's yeah, – that's how I envision it. Yeah. That, you know. And speaking of your confidence, <laughs> right, you know, four state, state titles, mm. a lot of confidence. Sure. You got to have confidence. confidence. I win four in a row. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, you can't waver any moment. Yeah. You know, you win one game back then, you're done. Yeah. You know, and then in college – you you go to the final four your freshman year, mm-hmm. right? And then you have a lot of success in the pack. Yeah, you know uh, the only uh, player from Oregon to be first team All American, yeah, correct? That's correct. Luke Rittenauer, Luke Jackson, right? And Luke Jackson gave you forty. In no, 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 no. <laughs> I thought you told me. No, he gave us forty. Right? He gave us forty, but he went crazy tonight. Salim had thirty-seven. I remember that game. But when we saw him in Tucson. He knew what time it was. Yeah. But yeah, Oregon's had some really good basketball teams, um, especially that team. The Red- what was Fred's last name? Fred Jackson. Fred Jones. Fred Jones. Fred Jones. Had Bounce. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you had a um, – who was the coach back then? Uh, that would have been Ernie. Ernie. He yeah. was my coach. Uh, USA team under 18, mm. Carmelo. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we was like the first team to lose. We need, we got bronze. <laughs> it was crazy. Oh, we did too. Yeah, yeah. We got bronze. So we, um, going back to like that success – you know, then you get to the league and you know how the league is now. Yeah, for sure. Like, that confidence can waver. Oh, 100%. Right? And so how have you how have you managed your confidence and in not wavering too much mm-hmm. high or low? Because you've had some yeah. huge nights and then you, obviously, we've yeah. all had bad nights. Yeah. You know, like, you and I are yeah. trying to say, we can go in and change the game or we can not go in and change yeah, the sure. game. You're exactly right. <laughs> Nobody, no, somebody talks yeah. about that, right? Yeah. No, no, it's, that's the truth. And I think um, definitely my first two years and even the beginning of this year, like, it's still, I'm still learning. It's a struggle. Yeah. Because you, so you come, I try to explain to people, you come from being the man all the time. And then yeah. you come in and they ask you to do a role and like you do one thing, a couple things wrong, you out. Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you start to feel like a bum. Like, yeah. No, it's no like, you used to come sit next to me sometimes. Yeah. Like, you good, G. It just happened. And then eventually, <laughs> I think now I've, yeah. I've finally gotten to the point where like bad, good, no matter what, like 
I know, like, you almost got to tell yourself, I'm him. I'm still him. Boom. Yeah. But, like, I don't care. Bad or good, I'm good. Like, next day. Like, right. I, it's my first two years, though, I used to sit at home and, like, after bad games and, like, be miserable. And I'm like, I can't live like this no more. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's a thing, though. I've seen a bunch of players go through it, like. Yeah, but but this dude's miserable is a little bit different. <laughs> no, I, no, no, because at the end of the day, he say miserable, but this is the same dude pulling Jason and, and, and Jalen Brown for once. Yeah. And you'll be like, all right, bro, you miserable. You crazy, too. But you know what I mean? And I'm like, come on. I'm, I'm trying to get that work. I'm trying to get that work. I'm trying to get that yeah. action. And, you know, at the same time, like, I guess it's it's a fun delusion that he'll look back on yeah, because, true. like, we've been speaking on what he's been able to do, how he's been able to thrive is... Unbelievable in that atmosphere because it's a lot of great players on his team. Mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Even when you look at the, the finals of last year, like there's a lot of great players in it's that true. game yeah. that yeah, were able to make plays and shit. So and he on our scout report. Yeah. Like like he when you on our scout report. Okay. Hey man, when dude get in the game, hey, this is what we're gonna do. That's, uh, <laughs> That's real. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so well, what he's talking about, that competitive spirit. You can love something as much as you want, but that competitive spirit, where do you think that came from? Shoot. I I mean, I don't really know. I just had it from such a young age. It didn't matter what we were doing. Like it, it started really in like the the like streets, like, right. like you know, playing outside with all the kids. Like mm -hmm. I would want to take like the worst kids in the block and like go against the best ones. I would want to beat them like at a young age and be like, look, I'll beat you with the worst ones. Like, so I just had that like yep. I want to like dog. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I want to take your heart out. Yeah. Like, and what, uh, what? Were there any other sports outside of basketball? That you yeah, football and, and baseball. And what position were you in those sports? Quarterback and shortstop. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was a quarterback and shortstop. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. I was uh, my, oh, my, uh, I'm tripping. January 28th is the best day of the year. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, it's my guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Same birthday. Same birthday. Y'all birthday, birthday. Yeah, so I'm yeah, texting yeah, yeah. him. I text Popovich. All right, there we go. Every January 20th, I know he like, what are you doing? But every January 28th, <laughs> I text Greg doing? Popovich. Hey, yeah. happy birthday, my guy. He never responds. Probably stop hitting me. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I'm at him. I'm actually list for sure. No, that's actually impressive. I actually ninety what ninety what year? Ninety eight. Ninety eight. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm 14 years ahead. Yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's actually crazy. I know. All right, bet. So um, so we have this thing on our show called Guns and Butter. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you ever seen Baby Boy. You ever seen that movie Baby Boy? Damn, that's a good you question. Seen, huh. You never showed you that? Uh -huh. Damn. I told right. you we got to put a list. If you're not black and you're an NBA, there's certain movies you got to watch. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You <laughs> I think you put a list out for I me. Put a list out for right, I got you. I made sure the ICP crew got it. But, um, <laughs> but, it's, uh, but basically, people think it's like the macroeconomic principle, but it's actually a scene from the movie uh, Baby Boy. And it's Guns and Butter. So it's basically discussing, you know, uh, the micro decisions that you made at a certain point that you had no clue that would pay huge dividends in the end. So what decision do you think that you made, you know, at a young age that's gotten you right here, right now? And, you know, elaborate. Elaborate for us so we can we can learn some real. Kick that shit. Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> rabbit. Uh shoot. Then you put me on the spot. There we go. Um well I think like a, there's been a couple times in my life where like you I'm sure you guys have been there, like where you almost think like, man, this basketball ain't for me. Like you almost right. process like I'm yeah. this ain't gonna work. And yeah. I think yeah. the one moment was my junior year, like a lot of people, I've talked about it before, but 
it was like they brought in a lot of freshmen, mm, yeah. top rated, like football yeah. number, which they were unbelievable players. It, but it was a rough year. It was yeah, yeah it was tech, down year. Down I year. I came from yeah. my sophomore year, like yeah, you know, uh, all packed and stuff, and then they trying to hand the keys to like these freshmen and they yeah. ain't doing it. And I, Bad King I'm and all those like the front though, like right. I'm playing terrible. I'm in my head at this point. Yeah. And I remember I was like talking to my parents and that coach I was close with uh Oregon. I'm like, I'm gonna have to like think about it. I'm probably gonna have to transfer, like, I'm gonna have to change my take this major more serious. <laughs> I'm yeah. like that ass, I'm like, this yeah. basketball stuff ain't working. Right. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna make it. Yeah. Like, I remember I broke down crying, like I'm at dinner and like cause I like it started hitting me. I'm like, this ain't it's not it. Like it's yeah. not working. And I came in from a game. I scored zero points, did nothing. I'm like, mm. but like from that moment, like I was damn near ready to like quit. Yeah. And they talked me out of it and be like, no, nah, just like, like this week, this one day at a time, like get out of it. And I swear to you, after that time, I like, and I like, killed it. And like we went on like 10 game winning streak, um, ended up winning MVP of the Pac-12 tournament yeah, in 316. And like, yeah, like just went. But I, like at that moment, if I didn't have my parents or them, like I probably would have like, just like went into a shell, and like you know, mm-hmm. like, I feel like players go through moments like that. Like, 100%. I hated the game, but then at that point, I just kept going, and it just rocked yeah. me. And I think that that would have been crazy. It's it's crazy to discuss those moments because yeah. you're coming just six years prior. You won four state championships yeah. a few years right. before that. You're mm-hmm. only freshman to start in a Final Four. Yeah, which is a huge deal with one of the best teams. Y'all beat Duke, right? Uh, no, we put we played a. We beat Kansas in Elite Eight. Yeah, yeah. In Kansas City. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, like that type stuff. Second year, you mm-hmm. do your thing. And it's like, I remember Aaron McKee telling me, he's like, bro, it's going to be a lot of wild shit that occurs to you. And it's going to be a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. The one number one thing is, you just can't forget who you are. Mm. That's the biggest thing. And it's like, just don't ever forget who you are. Even if they forget it, you don't fucking forget it. And he's like, even if you're down, he's like, bro, the best stories are the comeback stories. Mm-hmm. So he's like, just remember that when you're down. Like, just don't ever, everybody can forget anything, forget what you did, the layups, the shit you helped them with, but you don't fucking forget it because that's all that matters. It's not fucking hurt. Yeah. Better, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, true story. And it's just the truth, and it's really yeah. that serious. And, and it's just funny to really see, hear you hear about that because one bad moment, two bad weeks are looking left and right. You know, yeah. even being an outsider with a bunch of freshmen that were supposed to come in, it's like, it can really make you second guess and doubt yourself yeah, much sure. more than responding with a fuck you and turning up. Yeah. Wait, so I I don't I never see you in the uh, player exclusives. You Oregon. Uh tell me get that shit right. Yeah, so you, Lou Rodner, Lou Rinnard had the best shoes in the NBA. Uh, no, he, like got a, oh, he got player exclusives. Oh, he got player exclusives? Make sure, make sure they look out for nah, you. Nah, nah. But I do gotta get a little bit better. All the coaches that I was there with left. Oh uh, so like ain't that the worst? Yeah, everybody, bro, y'all you it's like uh, training day. You bitch made it. <laughs> like when you come back, I don't like, really want to say this. I was actually hot at them this year. They they sent me some shoes and uh, they've been taking care of me. They so the new coaches now. They sent me the wrong size. Two sizes too small. <laughs> and pay is a fourteen. Yeah. Dog. <laughs> but I'm sitting there like damn, Donald everything. Everything Donald I did, like I get. So like 12s? Like, you can't even... I can't even right, shoes. Like, that's like, weird I'm, to me. Like, isn't... Yeah, because you come back, like, yeah, bro, that's me, baby. Yeah. It's me. <laughs> it's Peyton. Like, I was kind of hot, but... No, nah, I would have yeah. been hot, too. Like, bro, yeah. y'all need... Nah, y'all get this shit together, yeah. champ. I'm going to call Phil for you. Nah, for sure. I, I ran... Yeah. I, 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 I walked in the field accident. <laughs> yeah, take care of that for me. Nah, for sure. <laughs> you know how you... I'm not... 
<laughs> yeah, right. actually, well, call him right now. <laughs> no, I, I'm not even Nike guy anymore, but I walked in the field. You know, you run into somebody. I yeah. walked to him, walked into him literally on accident, playing golf. Uh, and he belonged to that golf course. Was this in Oregon? This is in uh, Palm Springs. Oh, okay. In the right. desert, right? Mm -hmm. It's nice. Yeah, it's nice. All golf courses. And I was playing golf, <laughs> and he was walking on the trail, not playing, just chilling. And I bumped into him. We had a whole conversation. It was crazy funny. And I was, you know, I was Nike head my whole life, and yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. I was blinded by the swoosh. That book is a hell of a book. A great book. You ever read it? Yeah, parts of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I've been around him too. I like, he's a great dude. Great, yeah, he was super cool. Yeah, he's super cool. Speaking of running into somebody, this dude was the funniest dude last year. Remember, no, two years ago. Remember, Trisha threw the party at Delilah's. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's like a dope star studded. Mm -hmm. I guess star studded. Yeah, this is my rookie year. Yeah, me yeah. and Payton are on the way out. We're, we're, we're not on the way out, but like. I don't play anymore. Like, I'm just playing my role. You right. know what I mean? Like, right. somebody say hi, I'm going to say hi back. That type shit. So, it's a private room where, like, Kim K, like, whoever's yeah. in there. So, Peyton's like, yo, where everybody go? I'm like, I think they went in that room. We should go in there. I'm like, eh, you can go, bro. Are you straight? No, dog. Come. <laughs> no, come like, he said, come with me. For <laughs> what? You're Peyton Pritchard. You better at this shit than me. Like, <laughs> in the room, I'm hey, like, I ain't gonna lie, I was I was still real because I was like, I get it. I'm like, bro, no, ET, come on, you come yeah, with I'm me, like, man. Hey, bro, walk in. Hey, bro, this Peyton, bro. Like, yeah, he's like, yeah, this shit, bro. Yeah. Go get you some berries, put them out. That was funny. All right, I got a real question for you, right? I got, um, I got, I got, I got two questions right, for Peyton. Yeah. Right, I got two questions for Peyton. One of them is your high school, right? Because. Mm -hmm. Um, being from Oregon, I went to school with uh, Salim Stoudemire in yep. college. Oh, wow. And I'm close with Salim. Oh, you're close with Salim? Yeah, I grew up, like, when he was still playing, I was like, I used to work out with him, rebound from him. So I know Salim. Because obviously, Damon Stoudemire, right. who's on our staff Correct. from Portland, so they're, right. they're related family. So I played with Salim, and he was like the first person. Yeah. I didn't know it until I got to the league. He was the first person I saw that was an NBA shooter. Oh, like NBA, oh, Salim was shooting from half court in, in college. Unreal. Like I, I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah. I didn't Unreal. realize his. Yeah. I didn't realize the shooting ability until I saw like the best shooters. I'm like, dang, Salim used to do that, but I didn't. I thought Salim was just weird. Like I didn't. I didn't get it. I couldn't comprehend it. But he used to always say he went to school. His high school was Lake No Negro. Yeah, Lake Oswego. Lake Oswego yeah. But there were no blacks. Yeah. So he called it Lake No Negro. No, you still, they still throw that name around. Right, and I joke <laughs> with. <laughs> I joke with uh, Kevin Love about it too. Yep. Right. And so, in saying that, how many black players were on your high school team? Oh, tell them. All right, go okay. into it. Um, go be shocked. So there is a there was a decent amount. There's like five. Okay. So okay. But the thing is, my so my adopted brother, he's a year older than me. He's black. Yeah. So we grew up together. Obviously, he came from a, a bad situation. Right. And he was already always staying with us, so my parents ended up adopting him. And uh, I want to say my fifth, sixth grade year, and oh, he's, he was sixth, seventh grade. So, um, and then my best friends uh, growing up, like my brother is a kid named Jaden Grant. His dad is Brian Grant playing oh, the league. Yeah. So like that was my like best friend. Obviously, he's yeah. Like so like I grew up, and like I think a lot of people think that you know I grew up in a town called Westland, and and like it's mostly white, but like I was mostly. Growing up, my dad always put me put me in the inner city. Like, right, right, right. Surround myself with those type of athletes, those people. Yeah. Because obviously, if I'm gonna be in the sport, like that's what it's gonna be. Right. 
Luke, uh, Luke Walton is similar. Yeah, yeah, San Diego. Actually, what's the young kid from Atlanta? He used to go to Seattle. You told me the first. You've been playing. Versus, uh, uh, oh, you talking about Dejounte? Dejounte. Yeah, 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 playing yeah. Versus yeah so 12, we know, like not long, like nine. Like so, how we met, and he probably tell you the same story. We used to. I used to play a year up, and uh, I was playing on a team called ICP Seattle Rotary, and uh, we're beating them. And this is like third grade, and I'm dribbling down at the end of the game, and he full on. Trucks me, puts me, <laughs> no, puts me like two rows in the stands. Like, but ever since that, like, we've been close. Like, there's That's a respect up. there. Like, we yeah. always throughout high school. So, um, obviously, know his family. He knows my, like, my dad coach. So, like, it's just like close like that. So, you truly don't see color? No, I mean, no, no. It's, it, it, I only say that because, you know, as the most of the rooms we enter now, mm -hmm. we're the only ones in that room. Yeah. Right. But when we're in the NBA, Everyone is, this, yeah. we're pretty much just blending right in. Yeah. So I always ask, you know, I'll call it cream because it's mm -hmm. a play on, you know, yeah. kind of our environments, but sure. now you're the minority 100%. and kind of like, how does that affect you? But it seems as if it, I mean, it, I, it's a, it's a weird like thing to talk about, but like, I always felt like in a way, like growing up, I felt more comfortable in like, pe honestly, people used to make fun of me uh, when I go to my regular school because they'd say I act different. But right. Like, I was always with like kids in the inner city. So right. like, that's really how I thought was normal. Like I acted how like- You were just comfortable. No, with like that's what I am. Like, yeah. so like, and like, you know, you probably see like people on my team nowadays, they like, they, oh, P ain't Y -E -L or whatever. Yeah. They joke around about we it. With, but, we got Dante on our team. Yeah. So I get it. Nah, so, I mean, I think it's just like how I grew up though. Like I, I was always around it. So that's what I'm familiar with. And so, yeah, I guess. No, that's what's up. No, no, I really, I totally dig that. And you know, I always just kind of wanted to know how you thought because sometimes I'm trying to express to people how I'm feeling and they just don't get it. Mm -hmm. And I ever wonder where you in that situation. I'm saying that because I grew up right across the street from the projects. Mm -hmm. So I shared, like I was on a bus stop my whole life with the project kids. Yeah. Like these are like people that, half of them dead at this point, right? Mm -hmm. But when I went to school, I was in class with all white kids. Yeah. And so I had to do it, deal with it on both sides. 100%. So the black kids would be like, this dude's a nerd, he corny. But the white kids would be like, why are you hanging out with these people? I mm -hmm. thought you were good. You could read. You know, yeah, stuff yeah. Nah, like real, that. So you just caught up. You get caught up in that. So I always always wonder. But, no. you know, that's what's up. Right, yeah. And Buddy can hoop. Oh, hoop bro. <laughs> yeah. So to go back, I, I want to go back to the hoop and then, like, the the position you're in. We talk about the depth. We talk about mm -hmm. like, the Celtics and, and, and where it's at. Like, I kind of want to go deeper into, you know, what it's like day in and day out on that level, like, battling, you know what I'm saying? And, and kind of going, staying behind, like, a yeah. Malcolm Brogdon, a 20-something sure. million-dollar player. D-White. Yeah, funny, Jason. Yeah, Jason. Smart. Team, like, yeah. you're basically on a rock star team. And, no, like, sure. you really, mm -hmm. you know, you have your reputation and everything, but to really try to rebuild it, like, is it is it fun for you still? Uh, I think I've reached a point now where, like, I'm, like, I, like, the beginning of this year, like, I talked about I was going still – you know, battling it. And uh, I've reached a point, though, where I'm like, I'm just, at this point, when my opportunity comes, I'm ready. Yeah. Like, I crave to play, so I'm ready. So if somebody's not playing a game, I'm ready to step up in those moments. But I used to be kind of mad at the world. Like, I'm, yeah, I feel like I can go to any other team if I'm going to play. And, like, I really believe that. Like, but I'm on a really good team. And now I'm to the point I'm like, 
I started looking at it like, man, I should be like, instead of being mad, I should like learn. These dudes is obviously really successful, right. make a lot of money. Right. So I'm like, I need to be learning. Like, and now I'm like, when I watch the games, if I'm not playing, I'm like really like, instead of being mad, I'm like, all right, this is what they doing. Like, yeah. And so I go back the next day and, uh, you know, you play in low minute runs and some like uh, guys that don't play. So yeah. I'm like, Oh, this is time to kill now. Like I'm, I'm t making everybody play. Like yeah. if they're not playing, nah, we playing. Yeah. Like coaches, no, five on five, we playing. Cause like I'm, this is my game. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm staying ready and I'm working on my stuff. Anything I learned, the other players did. I'm like, this is, I'm pulling it out here. Like trying new things. And so then, I feel like it's helped me though. Like when I do get my opportunity, like this last couple games and stuff like that. Like I'm ready to go in and actually compete and. I don't skip a beat. Yeah. So talk about the time you didn't skip a beat, but you also helped win game one in a crazy yeah. hostile environment back in the 2022 finals. Mm -hmm. Talk about how that time has really prepared you or set you up, like, set you up or like with your development. I'm sure amongst sure. your friends and family, yeah. that's cool. But you've been able to step into, you know, the sure. pinnacle quarter peak at yeah. every single level, yeah. which is pretty impressive. No, that was, that was crazy. I mean, the finals was just a crazy learning experience in general. Uh, like what it takes to get there. Like people really don't understand. Like it okay. is a grind. Yes. And we went through two game sevens. And obviously I'm not even playing the whole game. So I'm yeah. playing like 20 minutes at most. Yeah. And so like, and I'm like, God, I'm tired. Like <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's a real thing. Like yeah. any flying back and forth. And we dealing with, yeah. we dealing with Giannis in Milwaukee. Then we go to Miami. Then we got to, it's a whole different, like playing against y'all was like different type of speed and like yeah. shooting. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know. I just think, like, the learning experience of, like, what it takes. Like, how well you got to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. How mentally engaged you got to stay. You got to be locked in no matter sure. what, right? Yeah. Even when you're not in the game, you got to be locked in. Yeah. Like, no, because your name could get called and it's like, yeah. you got to go make some plays. And I'm yeah. obviously gave one that worked in our favor, so. But. And, and then I would say to you, you know, have, you know, when did you realize that you have to be very efficient with the time you get. Because oh, when you're young, you yeah. don't know. Ah, yeah. I missed a couple shots, but I ain't getting none, so yeah. whatever. But now you're in the finals, I might only get two shots. And yeah, I better stick them. Both of these got to go in. <laughs> yeah. Just you know? have a conversation to complain. Yeah. They're like, what? bro, you didn't do shit last night. <laughs> right, right. What goes on your mind when you start? And this is the question I got to ask. I ask all the guys, like, yeah. you know, like, we've been in that position. What goes through your mind when you miss your first two shots? Honestly? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's what goes on in my I'm like, bro, don't pass me the ball no more. <laughs> Cause our shot, our misses are loud, right? Yeah, yeah no, they are. Cause they are, <laughs> it's either some, great or it's, a, it's yeah. horrible. <laughs> Even when you shoot some shit, they're like, it's like when people get mad when I used to miss threes. Like y'all knew damn well <laughs> yeah. that shit wasn't going. There. I shot it because I was butt naked. But imagine on him, bro. Why you missing? You only yeah, in the making. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you mess, you messed and, up and, both and, sides. And I'm like, shoot. The best shooters in the world shoot 40%. Percent, bro. Yeah. That's four out of 10. That's yes. Crazy. That means, hey, if I'm getting two shots this game, I, I might miss these two. I could hit the next two next game, but this game, it looks like I'm booty. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I hate shooters. It's like, you got to wait around for them. It's yeah. like, nah, bro. <laughs> it's like, no, he's a shooter. He, he going to come around like, bitch, so can I. This, <laughs> this, is why I, this is why I respect Steve Kerr as a basketball yeah. player. Like, Steve Kerr, Steve, Kerr, they, Steve Kerr would get drugged in our league. He says it himself. Like, I would have got killed in, in y'all's league. But one thing I know for sure with Steve, because I grew up in Illinois, so mm -hmm. I saw every Bulls game. Steve Kerr did not miss a wide open shot. Yeah. It was incredible. Like yeah. he going, he going one for one or two for two. Nah, but he making yeah, butt naked. Yeah, bro, Steve. Was you, know, you know what's also like underestimated is like 
being able to check into a game and you've been sitting for like 12 minutes. <laughs> People don't understand. That 12 minutes is really like an hour. Yes, timeout, timeout. Yeah, you're sitting. Foul, you, foul. Hey, you getting up, trying to do like some jumps, like quick stretches. Yeah. Like you really not loose getting into it. Yeah, and when you, you get doing, in, yeah. oh, you better hit it. Straight up. No, that's like that's a tough thing to do. <laughs> no, it's not easy. Especially during a playoff run. He yeah. went on his own run. So now when you put Peyton Pritchard in the whole hood, like, oh, he finna turn up. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, and people are like, where that 10 points at? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he counted on it because at one yeah. point he was. No, I, I definitely that, like, yeah. Nah, 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 like going crazy. Yeah. I mean, you just gotta go in, I guess, with like confidence, not yeah. to, like yeah, yeah. I don't know, like not caring almost. You get what I'm saying? No, like, no, I get what you're saying. I got I got some tricks to the trade, but yeah. you, it's tough. Y'all on a good team. I can't give you everything. <laughs> yeah. But we had it with like, we learned it early on. And, um, you know, I give credit where credit's due. Doug Collins knew the game of basketball. And he would say to like Lou Williams, you the sixth man. How do you get rhythm coming off the bench being cold? Because, you know, most six mans are starters in other places. Mm-hmm. And he said, how do you get going? Dallas Shrimp, first thing he did when he got in the game, look up and see how many fouls that the team got. Oh, it's four fouls, or oh, we already in the penalty? Man, let me go boom, boom. Let me get to the line. Let me get warmed up with these two free throws. Yeah, it's smart. You see the ball going in the hole. Yeah. Not, now you don't care about missing your next shot. Right. You just no, seen yeah. go two, go through 100%. already. So I always tell our six man that. Um, and, and I think that actually does help with your psyche going into no, the game. Sure. Yeah. Perfect, sure. Oh, one more. I got a question for you. Um, we talk about suffering from success and being around very, very high level players. You know, you're Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, of mm-hmm. course. He's, you know, in the runnings for MVP this year. And you can see how the world just comes in on them sometimes. Like, you're close to them, and you mm-hmm. see what they go through. You know, people always ask me, can you... Somebody asked me today, can you go ask Steph? Can you come take a picture with me? And I'm like, no, I'm not asking them. And they would say, wow, you came in. You're a nice guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm like, no, he's the nicest guy I know, but I know what he's carrying all the time. He's always got obligations. Go here, go here. Mm-hmm. Like his, his day's filled yeah. every single day. And that's just, you know, the, the byproduct of his success. You just got to deal with certain things. So how have you had to deal with suffering from your success or what things, or has it happened to you yet? You know, things that just you didn't imagine coming your way that you just got to deal with that people don't understand. Well, definitely not to that extent, right, obviously. Right. But um, I'm fortunate enough to have good family, mm-hmm. good friends. So people in my life that like make it easier, handle the, those things for me. You know, if people want to to get things or mm-hmm. they they go through them and, you know, obviously, like I always say though, you need you need good people around you to yes. help the balance. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my focus is always on basketball. So uh, I used to, my rookie year, I used to get irritated at people always asking for things. And, right. I mean, it just get, it gets a lot. Um, you know, especially when you're your first year, like everybody thinks it's like a, like a parade, yeah. like, you know, so everybody's coming out of the woodworks. But um, having good parents, good family, good friends that mm-hmm. can take care of those little things. Right. So. Oh, you good. You good. I know them. Uh, I got hit in Chicago. Um, all of a sudden, them ticket prices went up when we come into town. It happens to you yet, you just don't know it. Yeah. So <laughs> when, I, when I played in Philly, a court size seat in Memphis was 400 bucks. So if, my, if I can get my parents two court size tickets, it's nothing. But I just went and played Chicago, and I had a bunch of family there for my grandmother's uh, funeral. And I had 10 people, and the cheapest ticket was 380 oh, That's crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. But right, then, you, but you then, basically, you just give up your game. <laughs> man, 
And so like, I had 10 tickets at 380. That's, that's tough. That's, that's, that's 3,800. Yeah, that's a lot. You got to be real and start looking at a suite. Sometimes it's like, all right, bro. Like, no, for sure. But ain't no suites at our games. Yeah, they, they packed out. I forgot up. about that. It's You're the right. effect, fam. It's, I see. But tons of suites. I feel like... <laughs> and I had to take our, them out to dinner the night before. Yeah. Uh, dude, we took them to yeah, dinner the night before. I do remember before. that. I do remember And I said, we going to split this bill. Yeah. I remember And that, that was a real bill. That was a real bill. That's why I tweeted the next day. Like, I posted, when you go out if you go out to dinner with me and I'm paying... Act like you got some sense. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, golly. Walk me through uh, the next five to 10 years for yourself. Yeah, obviously, after I'm done here, like after this year, I'd like to, you know, look, be part of a bigger role a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you should want that. Yeah, I definitely do. Um, it's obviously what I work for. And um, I think that's what Brad and them know, too. We've had that discussion. But, um, you know, bigger role, some... I want to be part of a winning culture, but I want to also really help that. Yes, sir. Yeah. Be a, you know, really, uh, I'm trying to think, like, big piece of that. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying it's the best player on the team or anything, but I want, I don't know what my future can hold unless I can take that next step. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what, what it is in five to ten years, but I just want to look back and know that, like, I put my best foot forward. I put all the work in. So, whatever happens, I can live with yep. as long as I, I did it my way. Mm-hmm. And so that's the most important thing to me. Well, for sure. Well, I mean, we always here, man. You know, you can always hit us up. Yeah, we're going to give it to you real. You're good. We're not, I mean, I didn't even hear you speak. And then I sit next to you and say, this is a good dude. Yeah, so sure. we, and I appreciate you I pulling appreciate up, that. man. Like, Thank for you. real. We family. Yeah, and we sure. NBA regardless. Yeah, you know 100%. what I'm saying? We compete on the court and you can, you know, dive in my knees. But I know <laughs> you, you know, you competitor. Yeah. And after the game, we shake it up and whatever you need, fam. So sure. appreciate you. Mm-hmm.